0: watching No Go
1: Zone with Henry. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Thank you for joining us here. And it's not Wednesday; it is Thursday. Thursday today. Uh, it is May eleventh, twenty twenty-three. Thanks so much for uh, tuning in. We got a range of topics for you lined up today. We're going to diagnose uh, the problem a little bit, continue on that thread, uh, and of course, also talk about uh, why some of the things we're seeing is actually. I think we can use that at the end of the day. It's actually something positive, but we have to continue to map our uh, planned and designed decline. uh, And we have to just accept what it is that's happening so we actually can start doing something uh, about these things because things uh, are every day degrading. It's it's an abasement going on, there's a debasement too, for that matter. Uh, And it's coming. to us through historical lies, it's coming through white guilt, it's coming through us just giving up essentially, right? And so these are some of the things I want to just kind of address a little bit here today. And we got some uh, great stories uh, lined up. Um, what was it yesterday? We had the uh, uh, was it the town hall with the with the Trump. I did actually watch some of videos. It. It, it was mildly entertaining, but I got to say, it, it feels like we're just bad. It's like we're doing this again. We're, we're we've already done this. You know, what I mean, like we're, we did this in 2015 and in, in 2016. And that was fun, but 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 now, really, all right, anyway, uh, so mildly entertaining, but uh man, I mean, he he did we already did this, he was gonna build a wall last time <laughs> with all these things gonna happen, and now they're gonna no, no, no this time it's really gonna happen, you know, kind of thing, uh, look, I wish the guy well, you know go ahead uh, uh, try to win these rigged elections. You know, good luck with that they, they, they probably have this in the bag to be honest., uh, we'll see what happens. uh Twitter also uh, right with the whole thing with with Tucker going to start his show exclusively on Twitter, which I think is a great idea. I'm glad he's going the independent route. and damn it, hopefully we're getting uh, we're gonna get a little bit more of a based Tucker. We'll see we'll see who the real Tucker actually is here, right because you get you get one Tucker in 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 public you know announcements. Uh, and then you get another Tucker uh, when there is a you know leaked tape or something like this, right? Or uh, a text that came out in the Dominion uh, discovery process, the lawsuit there uh, between Fox and Dominion. So uh, we can see we can find out who 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 he really is, you know, unconstrained by those restrictions that he, I, I assume he had on Fox News and him kind of biding his time. But we'll we'll see what happens, right? But uh, anyway, so uh, Elon, uh, I think this today here uh, is claiming he's going to hand over the. Uh, Reins, uh the the CEO position uh, to some un so far unnamed uh, woman. He's going to put a women's in place of Twitter. Uh, we'll see what happens. There was a lot of speculation already about that, but uh, no, I think short term Tucker, uh, Twitter, Elon, these kinds of things is I think a basically it's a it's a, it's short term positive. We'll see what happens in the long run. I don't trust these people, uh, and I'm sure they will. Uh, there, there will be betrayals <laughs> along the way, and they're not—they're not really our guys, you know what I mean? But we'll see what happens. Uh, it, it's still possible. I mean, for, for Christ's sake, uh, Elon was uh, post uh, replying—I guess is the term—replying. Rep- to uh, to racial crime statistics tweets the other day that that's still that's good. I mean, that that's that's progress, right? We got to face reality. We got to discuss what's really going on. Uh, we can't hide from these kinds of things, especially if you're supposed to be anti woke. Right. You got to you got to address these things. You got to we got to tackle this beast head on. We can't hide from this shit anymore. We just have to face the reality and do the best uh, of of the situation as we can. But anyway. Uh, so that's some of the—I wouldn't say exciting things, to be honest—but that's some of the things that uh, that's happening here, here more, uh, more recently. But um, yeah, anyway, guys, I, I do have. Um, it'll be kind of a little bit of a lengthy piece, I guess. But I do want to uh, talk about it. It was an interesting piece regarding King Leopold the the guy who took over Belgium, because it's it's weaved into you know everything that's happened in the West have not exclusively, but largely been about white guilt. It's been brought about uh, through white guilt, right? Us giving up, us thinking we we owe some of these other people that are now pouring into our country something that uh, we have to pay back or um, we did injustices towards them. Uh, that's like above and beyond what any other groups did and things like that. Uh, and so it's important uh, to tackle those lies because much of this, of course, has been constructed with Academic lies. Well, e- even if they had the history on their side, it wouldn't make it right in terms of what's happening right now. But the fact that this shit has been constructed with the help of lies is even more fascinating because, yet again, we're discovering that uh, we do have truth on our side, and we can use that as not uh, not the only, but one of the most effective weapons that we uh, that we have. Right. So anyway, so that's that's a piece I want to talk a little bit uh, about later, uh, and. Otherwise, I think we're uh, we should dive in here a little bit because we have uh, we have a jam-packed show, so we got to get going. Uh, if you want to join us uh, today, I read your uh, chats, super chats on the air, andrewpajamlive TV Now they've added a, uh, I think they they still have that two, um, what is it two authentication? What is it called again two? I <laughs> forget the term, there's a, there's a two-way authenticator, what is it called, uh, on there, and, and some people don't like that, which I totally get, but I heard from Andrew that apparently they're doing away with that, but anyway, if, so if you don't like that, and want to use another method and um, support the show and, and uh, uh, you know, get your uh, chats read out on the air, uh, you can also super chat over at Odyssey, uh, or uh, Rumble Rants, I guess they call it over there, uh, so check those uh, channels out. Alright, we got um, Q E Cap. On uh, Odyssey here. Support for Red Ice TV. Looking forward to the great show. Henrik, thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, That's very kind of you. Lycan Warrior over on Entropy says uh, looks like the Mexican white supremacist actually disliked white people. Really fascinating. I'm surprised by this, right? Because I did a little segment on this. Thank you, Lycan, for uh, for sending that. I was just waiting for something like this to come out, right? But you know that little short uh, uh, segment that we did. Well, it's in Western Warrior, but I uploaded that yesterday as well. So check that out. They're just a weird Anomalies, and this guy just seems like he's like, is he in, is he in it for the trolling? He's like intentionally drawing, you know, dropping like libs of TikTok and Team Pool and things like that to obviously like, you know, cast blame onto normie conservatives. You could find essentially anything with this guy that that you don't dislike, and that's what people we'll do, right? They hone in on one little detail. Oh, he's a Nazi, Boo, you know? Oh, look at him! He equally had a what a Black Panther patch or something like that on, right? So you could just just hone in on that then. Uh, but uh, as I said in the in this segment, it's these, maybe not composite characters, it's the right, right term for it, but like it's a, uh, a, pro- a, a what do you what's a better term, like a projection palette, I, I don't know, like they drop a little bit of everything in there, and so anybody can just find whatever they want honing on that and then see, you know, spin their narrative around this guy, but it seems odd that a guy like this would essentially be willing to die just to like to to troll the media or whatever the you know the the things he was he mentioned in some of these clips and stuff like that uh because he did die this is a suicide mission right i mean the cops shot him dead allegedly apparently uh but no i think it happened i saw i you know i looked at the uh the footage you know sometimes the false flaggers say oh look there's no blood here or whatever uh in these um victims or whatever if there's other you know types of shootings or whatnot or even Uh, when there's an attack by a Muslim in Europe and they drive over a bunch of people and people look at this footage. Uh, And again, I I, I don't know what to make of all of that. Is it true? Is it not? It's very very hard to tell. There's so many gay ops, Uh, there's so many psyops, there's so much disinfo and propaganda, so it's very hard to tell. But regardless, uh, this one uh, was very gruesome. It was literally brains splattered all over the place, uh, a lot of blood, whatever. So so it looks, uh, from my vantage point, having seen that footage, uh, that it looks like a real thing. Unless the footage is fake. I mean, you can go on and on about this forever, right? Um, ultimately, we're in the hands of those who provide us with this information or upload it or, or uh, you know, stream it or whatever. Uh, there's, there's, But it, it's, he's very bizarre, this guy, right? He's very strange. Um, things doesn't make sense if you're be beginning to analyze it. Um, you can find a little bit of everything in there so you can, like, please your... Uh, uh, whatever whatever group you you decide to hate, you can just hone in on that and blame them for everything. Anyway, so this is from Lycan here. Uh, Hispanic white supremacist mass shooter Mauric- Mauricio, Mauricio uh, Garcia said, White people are a race I don't like. Well, there you go. Look at that. So from today here, good job, uh, Chris Menahan. He digs out some of these. Hispanic Texas mass shooter Mauricio Garcia, whom the media insisted was a white supremacist, said white people are a race I don't like, and fantasized about Mexico taking over America in a handwritten post uploaded to his social media profile on OK.ru, right? Sending other posts, he harps on diversity and stuff like that. So this is what it is, right? Um, (laughs) So why, why can't we, I mean, we should, right? But why can't we use this as ammunition for the open borders right now? These are the people they're letting in. They're killing our people. This is obviously wrong. We, we need to shut this down entirely until we can figure out what's going on. Right? All right. Anyway, I'm not going to go through the whole story here, but I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at all. Uh, to be honest, uh, thank you, Lycan. It's kind of you. Uh, we have also uh spy hunter. Henrik, you're a weapon. Keep firing. Thank you. Appreciate that. That's kind of you. Uh, all right. So let's begin something that's maybe not lighthearted, but some of the periphery symptoms uh, of our degrading, is that the word? Uh, Civilization, right, let's begin there. Here's here's what uh, TikTok influencers are uh, doing these days. Check this out. Los Angeles, California has the third biggest homeless population in the United States. And today it's my job to make sure there's one less hungry person on the streets. Hey, excuse me, sir. Hey, I was wondering, are you hungry by any chance, man? Alright Ben, I got you. Would you like a Baconator fries? A drink? Is that cool? Alright, what's your name man? Israel, God bless you, Israel. I got you, I'll be right back, man. I'm glad I'm we got that in there too. Got you a, I got you a Sprite, you know, large fry, I you a
2: Baconator, man. I was homeless myself, so I I wanna make sure you get on the right path and you know, you're always able to, you know, get back on your feet. Right? You know, so I just, I want you to enjoy this. This is really good all right take care
1: have a nice day all right i guess that's what the non-white kids are doing on tiktok these days uh trolling the uh the homeless unless the whole thing is set up of course well uh speaking about food this was a very uh, unexpected uh, turn of events uh this is more of the uh, scott adams uh, you know get the hell away uh, kind of segment here i guess oh. who knew something so beautiful could turn so ugly to text is if you're in need uh, I'll, if you, you need a food, it says, please take free, it says right here. Alright, so let's see what happens. The strangers have showed up to actually put more food there. I think this is in uh, is this New York, probably. We'll take one, maybe, maybe two things, right?
3: What is this? Yeah, free.
1: Now this guy takes everything. While they both laugh and crack jokes, while so many people around <laughs> really need
3: well, he's he's all
1: Yo, man, I kits. have kids, seven kids.
2: And <laughs> <Four. laughs> <Four. laughs>
1: yeah, of course, that's why we can't have nice civilizations, uh, because uh, <clears throat> there is no charity. Uh, with this type of selfish uh, mentality, right? So, of course, that's what happens. Then no one wants to help out because it's just a bunch of assholes everywhere. And, of course, if you don't take the uh, food outright, why not just ruin it for everybody?
0: Wait, get ice cream. Get ice. Let me taste it, let me taste it. All right, Ariel, right, put it back. Just to get, get the hell away from flat. Just to get the... It's all right scott the best advice i would give to white people is to get the hell away from black people just get the fuck away
1: <clears throat> all right there you go so <laughs> of course this is happening uh, at a time now uh, when we have a, a lot more uh, haitians joining uh, americans here at the uh, southern border they're coming to uh, enrich the United States uh, and apparently it's uh, jam packed uh, down there. This is, of course, a, a running theme here. Uh, it is today, May 11th, that Title 42 is officially being uh, uh, scrapped. And so hence, we have a invasion uh, at the southern border. Uh, big surprise. Can you imagine such a thing? Uh, well, what, what what's happening along the way here then? Let's uh, take a look at a couple of things here because <clears throat> we have Biden Uh, with his Department of Homeland Security actually coordinating illegal immigration inflows with Mexico. This is a a fascinating story here, right? Uh, A striking level of collusion as Biden's uh, officers use an encrypted online chat room to tell Mexico when to let migrants swim across. Fascinating. Yesterday, uh, they reported on this here, CIS, Center for Immigration Studies. In recent days, large crowds of immigrants have formed on the Mexico side of the Rio Grande, fully prepared to swim over well-worn crossing spots to Brownsville, but seemingly held back by unarmed Mexican immigration officials over the course of several recent days in the, in this northeastern Mexican city, when perhaps 3000 immigrants a day swam over to Brownsville with no opposition on either side, a curious pattern became evident at some sort of signal from the Mexican immigration officers, a group of about 100 to 150 from the crowd would suddenly stand in unison and rush down the riverbank past the immigration officers and swim over to America. It turns out that this pattern was far from happenstance. The Center for Immigration Studies asked several of Mexican immigration officers what was going on and learned that President Joe Biden's Department of Homeland Security has been coordinating these mass swims with mexico's immigration service inm at high levels on an encrypted whatsapp channel so there you go if, the, if you did if there's any questions about whether this is orchestrated or not this is what example 563,000 of that uh we know biden's comments we know there was there was a zero hedge piece just the other day where they were talking about how uh the the the, the uni party they're all working together, essentially, right, uh, working together to uh, uh, ensure that uh, illegal immigration continues. And in fact, it's it's record levels more than ever. Uh, and it reminds me of the D- Department of Homeland Security. There, there's a couple of pieces on this that we've shown uh, over the years, because, of course, while things like this happens, it is the constant uh, LARPing on the white supremacy issue, of course, that that, that they have been pushing the hardest, right? Uh, Department of Homeland Security finally recognizes white nationalism as a terrorist threat. Uh, here's uh, the political piece. I think that was the original uh, one there to, to, to go away from Vice for a second. Uh, white supremacists are greatest terror threat. And That's one of those things you should, should always keep that in mind as things develop forward here, as they pry open uh, the borders and essentially... Even the officers that they do send, right? I forget if it was National Guard, whatever Biden sent, uh, it was some kind of military units. That was, of course, to aid the the processing of these migrants, right? Here's the uh, sheriff of uh, Pinal County. Is that what it's called, Pinal County? I forget how to uh, pronounce that. Uh, look at what he said here.
0: Hey, folks. Sheriff Lamb here. So truth is becoming harder and harder to find, especially from our politicians and the media. So I wanted to give you some truth today, a little truth bomb. Joe Biden recently announced he's sending 1,500 troops to the border. While I applaud him sending that, I want the American people to understand that this is not to protect our border, to keep people from coming into this country illegally. Those 1,500 soldiers will there be there to process people into this country a lot faster so that you, the American people, don't realize what a disaster this border crisis is.
1: And And there you go. Yes. Uh, Okay, so it says it turns out that uh, we read that uh, the officers explained that their senior officers were in touch with U.S. Customs and Border uh, Protection officials about how many immigrants were gathered and where prepared to uh, and were prepared to cross the river at any given time. We're letting them know that there's a group of people ready to cross. One officer explained, the Americans on the other side would ask the Mexicans to hold back the migrants, not because such crossings are illegal and should be blocked and obstructed, but only until the Americans had finished processing the last batch into the country through Brownsville. Once the Americans felt that they could take in more, they messaged the Mexicans that they are ready to receive them. (laughs) Then senior officials would radio the on-ground immigration officers, all whom are equipped with radios. Next, the officers signal to the waiting crowd to go forward and, once they figure enough are in the water, they cut off the rest and push and cajole them back into line until the Americans signal that they're ready again. The Mexican officer said the Americans initiated this system in late April, but could only guess at why, perhaps to better manage the processing of very high recent numbers of crossings. But the collaboration explains why Mexican immigration officers are stationed at the river at all and raises many questions. CBP did not immediately respond to CIS's telephoned and emailed messages for comment. But the process, which has never been publicized, uh, amounts to a controlled flow system most often used controversially by Colombia, Panama and Costa Rica to facilitate mass illegal migration to the U.S. border rather than incur the expense and trouble of blocking it in those countries controlled flow by the Biden administration's DHS with Mexico also constitutes a highly unusual U.S. policy that demonstrates formal acquiescence to illegal immigration and an official willingness to accommodate mass illegal immigration rather than stopping, blocking, or deterring it as required by law. This, yeah, this is is nothing to do uh, with the law anymore. You're you're joking. Uh, This is about undermining the country destroying the country uh bringing it to to such a, a level of chaos uh through open borders and just letting in millions and millions of people that you that you destroy it right and then of course yes you have the you have them as a voter block there's all these other ulterior motives but the number one priority never forget this the number one priority is to replace european americans that's what it is and and, and cause chaos yes that's part of it too right it remains unclear as the Title 42 expedited removal power comes to an end at midnight on... Okay, okay, I was, I was wrong. I actually thought it was like happening right now. It's at midnight tonight, so we're uh, still a few hours away here. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm sure there'll be... I know there's reporter uh, reporters down there, and of course there's some independent media personalities as well. Uh, so we'll probably see some just incredible footage coming out of that, to t- be honest. Uh, and it was replaced by new policy if the control flow scheme will continue working. Numerous times in Mot, Mot, Motameros, uh, CIS witnessed migrants charge the Mexican immigration officers and pour into the river ahead of schedule. Dozens of migrants openly argued with the Mexican officers to let them through, but the officers argued back that they had to be patient. Least children or adults uh, drown in uncontrolled crossings. So they would want to do this as efficiently uh, as as safe as possible. Uh, and, of course, this is United Nations Sustainable Development uh, Goals, right? It, it's the uh, endless discussion about uh, safe and orderly migration. That's what it's all about, right? Mexico's, Mexico seemed to signal a willingness to use muscle, if necessary, to maintain the controlled flow arrangement. Late Tuesday, as the crowd grew visibly restive, a squad of armed Mexican National Guard showed up and began patrolling the line. Let's check this out here. This is CIS's own YouTube channel here.
0: Okay, I'm in Matamoros, Mexico, at a massive migrant camp. There must be 10,000 migrants here. And behind me, you can see uh, what's going on. This has been happening since this morning. Hundreds and hundreds of mostly Venezuelans uh, in anticipation of the end of Title 42. They think that the Americans are going to let them in and as a matter Works of fact Americans are letting a lot of them in. And so you can see they're just defeating this barbed wire right here at this major border crossing. Uh, just going right around it. Uh, going to turn themselves into Border Patrol. And I just want to point out that that over here you have um, a lot more waiting. They're going to be coming next and also you have the Mexican immigration officials right here who are just uh, powerless to do anything uh, why? I'm Todd Bensman, Center for Immigration Studies Matamoros Mexico.
1: Why? Why are they, why are they powerless? All right, isn't it fascinating that Mexico has harder immigration laws than any other Western country? What the West could learn from Mexico's immigration law foreigners may be barred from the country if their presence upsets the equilibrium of the national demographics how about that so we can't have a flood of white people down there when foreigners are deemed detrimental to economic or national interest this only applies one way naturally from here to there but not from there to here (laughs) Uh, it's incredible absolutely insane and meanwhile as we said (coughs) the department of homeland security uh, is, of course, spying on normal, regular, uh, conservative Americans. Because, of course, priorities. Am I right? Political, uh, political police. Question mark. New docs show Department of Homeland Security programmed to target middle-aged pro-life advocates and budding conspiracy theorists under guise of de-radicalization. From a couple of days ago here. Newly obtained FOIA documents from America First Legal Revealed Department of Homeland Security's plans to produce training videos that get bystanders to intervene against radicalization of their peers. So essentially this is one of these like, let's use the uh, the empty cattle, the, the NPCs just standing around, the useless eaters, they're just like not helping us out in this agenda. Uh, to to uh, constantly criminalize like white Americans and conservatives, nationalists, patriots, blah blah blah, etc. Uh, let's just let's let's weaponize those individuals. so Everybody become like a little uh, a little police, uh, you know, a little wolf dog, right? What do you call it? Like a little uh, not not just remaining a sheep, but actually keeping other people in line continuously. Department of Homeland Security targeted suburban moms with pro life beliefs and old high school friends who believe in conspiracies as examples of radicalized citizens in need of a bystander, bystander intervention. These findings add to the litany of evidence that the Department of Homeland Security has shifted its focus from threats of foreign terrorism to monitoring and meddling in domestic US citizen political beliefs. Isn't this absolutely incredible? It's not surprising, but it's still it's still shocking, right, that they're actually doing this. Um, and here we are, right? People are let in to the U.S., and the same is true in uh, in Europe. European countries is it's very, you know, we don't get exactly the same demographics, but otherwise, it's essentially a, a mirror of itself, right? A- any and all white countries are being flooded right now by people from the third and even the second world, uh, and they're they they prioritizing. Uh, the safety of the invader, the the foreigner, the newcomer, over that of the indigenous population in the country, or even the citizens in that country, even if they they don't happen to be uh, you know white, or whatever, or indigenous, the, they're saying f you to those people, and they're saying no, we we're prioritizing all these other people. That that there's there there are our guys, <laughs> right? Uh, they actually have a video here. We'll play that in a moment. I can, read, I can read a little bit more, but that's that's the summation of what's going on here. It's the FOIA fi- files. Uh, g- good for them to do this. I've seen this site a couple of times. It's kind of popped out of nowhere. Reason it might have, it might have been run for a while, but they've done some really good wor- work. Uh, Foundation for Freedom Online seems good. Mike Benz, I'm not familiar with him, but I've seen his name on some of the other stories that we've covered. So g- good for them to pull this out. It's the kind of stuff we need to uh, to. Um, uh, pull out, right? To 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 just sh- show and demonstrate how much they hate us, and also that the most normal, sensible, just you know, conservative, pers- milk toast conservative takes on things or positions uh, are are now seen deemed as a as a threat by uh, our authorities. It's insane, right? Um, so yeah, they, they bring out. I, I guess these are some examples here, right? Uh, bystanders are given three choices: call the sheriff on, on Anne. Yeah, so Anne Anne Ann is bad, right? She's she's not obeying, uh, she's not um, uh, bowing down, right? This is at a pro life event or whatever. Uh, it's Anne, a woman who've you've all always known to be empathic in the past. Once you're home, um, you can have uh, a few choices here. They claim here: call Anne's husband to discuss what you just w- witnessed and check to see if everything has been okay lately. Are you, the snitch we are talk about this, right? The snitch culture. Contact Anne's preacher and ask her behavior. <laughs> ask about her behavior. Stop by Anne's house to chat and see how she's doing. Hair salon, scene four, see. You've been at Anne's, her, Anne's You've been Anne's hairdresser for years. during one of Anne's visits. She brings up pro-life arguments and begins ranting. Oh oh my god, what do we called call the police. Number one choice. Call the sheriff. <laughs> to ask about him about uh, when you should be concerned about radicalization. Talk to your co-workers. Go online and research the group that Anne was talking about. Yeah, maybe you can see a ADL SPLC piece, whether or not it's a, uh, it's a domestic terrorist group uh, list, right? And then they go through the bu- budding conspiracy theorists, right? They, they don't believe uh, everything. Yeah, profile setup. Visually, we see a portrait of our young protagonist, Courtney along with stock footage that you would associate with a suburban mom, laundry, minivan, etc. These are these are the terrorists now. She's a divorced mother of two. She has become fixated on conspiracy theories regarding, check this out, government's connection to child abuse and trafficking. These are literal pedophiles that are afraid that normal people are beginning to expose them for their behavior. With everything that we've seen over the last few years, with Epstein, with all the cover ups, with all the adjacents, people in power, political positions, influence, business that are take part in this disgusting criminal behavior of diddling kids, whether uh, it's allowing it or looking the other way or whatever. It's evident that this is a, it's a rampant epidemic that's out of control. And of course, these are the things. That the FBI should be looking at, even the Department of Homeland Security, that go after pedophile networks. No, instead they're worrying about the the minivan minivan mom who's raising this issue on on Facebook or whatever. That's the terrorist now. Anyway, they have it. There's some other examples. We don't have to go through all of them here, but absolutely incredible. Here's a. Is this a video? Yeah, let's let's play this here. Welcome um, to Cybersecurity 101. I think this is the DHS's own actually. Classes in
2: session. Today's lesson countering disinformation on social media. Since 2020, there has been a lot of false and inaccurate information about COVID-19. In many cases, the authors of this misinformation are simply misinformed. But some misinformation is deliberately created to mislead, harm, or manipulate. We call this disinformation. In this case, by eroding trust in public health, disinformation could lower vaccine acceptance or adherence to safety protocols. (laughs) By dividing the community, disinformation can cause a rise in infections and deaths. Consider this post from Susan's feed. It's from her uncle Steve, who claims everybody knows COVID is no worse than the flu. Statements like these often commit the fallacy of mob appeal by appealing to the
1: emotions of a crowd for an idea to be accepted. Yes, but um, uh, appeal to authority, that's not a fallacy, though. No, no, no. Of course, you should always believe the authorities, no matter what they say, uh, it is the, it's the law, it's it's basically the new religion, all right? Thionth.
2: Accepted or rejected. Comparing a pandemic virus to a seasonal virus also commits the fallacy of weak analogy because the two viruses have telling differences. Steve fails to share those differences, committing the fallacy of suppressed evidence. Finally, oh yes, yes, unless- because
1: this is, <clears throat> the media always tells us the full story and of course, nothing by the, but the truth, right? The authorities—they uh, always honest. They give us full context, the entire picture, right? They don't withhold anything from us. No, no, no. Just obey,
2: or you're a terrorist. West Steve is an infectious disease expert. He is also committing the fallacy of
1: appeal to authority. Oh, so the that, oh, oh, there Ford we go. De- so, so he's, <laughs> the wonder. That's a very, it's a wonderful way of turning the tables right there. He just happens to he just happens to know what he's talking about. So you see then he's the he's the false authority that you shouldn't trust. But no no, the CDC, Fauci and all these people, uh those you can always believe and that's not appeal to authority by the way. Unless Steve is an infectious disease expert, he is also committing the
2: fallacy of appeal to authority. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention website should be favored because they are a
1: trustworthy source
2: <laughs> due to large government funding. Susan eventually Tracks down a fact-based the source. Gas, that the
1: gaslighting to- is just—it's on epic proportions. I, I, I'm not sure we've ever seen it this bad. It's always been bad, but this is just like on, on, on completely new levels. The, the, the disgusting gaslighting. When
2: COVID deaths during the same period. Meanwhile, Susan's uncle has been doing his own research. He's encountered many so-called sources that contain disinformation. <laughs> Take this fake news story, for example. It claims to cite an official source, the CDC, but Mm. it misrepresents the data. This video also uses emotional and sensational elements instead of a fact-based argument. Ah, Susan's uncle has made a common mistake. He's picking sources that confirm his opinions instead of presenting facts. Ah, Susan, okay, however,
1: Yeah, yeah. So you mean like, <clears throat> kind of like how the, the CDC has they been ignoring their own studies and how the big pharma companies are continuing to uh, to pay for uh, the studies that they want desired and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. There can never be a financial or even other ulterior motive uh, in, uh, as, as a. As a foundational reason for why they want to push as much vaccination as possible on people. That that could that could never be part of it. Okay? Has done fact-based
2: research and replies to her uncle. It doesn't change hey, his opinion. Hey, look at facts. You can't win every argument online, but you can protect yourself from disinformation.
1: You can stop it from spreading, too. You can stop it from spreading, too. There you go. Incredible stuff here. So, of course, remember the uh, uh, Forbes... Uh, you must not do your own research when it comes to thion <laughs> <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so, I guess we can go back to the uh, the replacement issue here a little bit too, uh, because we have now. Uh, you know, remember how they said like, "Don't worry, nothing." Nothing is going to change. Everything, everything will remain the same. You, you, you'll you just be sharing your country with new, exciting, spicier people that can cook excellent food, right? That, that's, that's kind of what we were told in a sense, right? Nothing is going to change. Well, as we know, beyond just ripping down all the damn statues and stuff, everything is beginning to be renamed as well. Schools, streets, uh, in this case, military bases. Here's uh, Fort Hood that's now being officially renamed to Fort Cabarras. Let's check this out. Segment here. The
3: new signs here at the Bernie Beckley. Please direct your attention to the two screens on the field, where you will witness the unveiling of the fourth
4: capitol sign, located (laughs) at the main entrance of the installation. Please join us as we count down from five for the unveiling. Here we go. Five,
0: four, three, two, two, one.
1: one. So, this is in uh, Killeen. Lower there. this here. Alright, so context here. The, uh, this is the Killeen, Texas base was named after confederate general as being and is being renamed after the army's first Hispanic four-star general. It is one of nine bases being renamed because of its ties to the confederacy. And then, of course, as we know, uh, it won't stop with the confederacy. This is just the foot in through the door. That's why you can't Give them these things you can't literally you can't give them anything if you give them anything they will take everything that's why you you do have to defend you, you can't you can't fold an inch on any single issue right you give them an inch they will take your arm and then they will take the rest of your body and chop it off from your you know sever it sever your head from your body uh, that's how they do uh, this, right uh ryan triple g simply says hello henrik Hello, Ryan. Good to see you. Thank you for uh, the super chat. Appreciate that. Fourteen eighty-eight. There, nice. Um, so, <clears throat> meanwhile, this is funny too. This <laughs> also, since we're in, we're in Texas, right? I mentioned that uh, I mentioned that Elon recently re- re- replied to some uh, you know crime stats and things like the inconvenient crime statistics. This, is, of course, another one of the you know forbidden subjects or whatnot. But here, what you are witnessing here is as the U.S. diversifies. And it's this is true in other European countries as well, that the in some cases, legally, they even remove references to race or even recognize that there are any differences. Race, race is not even mentioned, right? But to produce equity, so-called equity, in the racial crime statistics, you simply just turn these people who are not white into white people. This is from the Texas Department of Public Service, the 10 most wanted fugitives. And as you can see here, <clears throat> Uh, they're basically all considered white males. Look at that. <laughs> Fascinating, right? Benjamin Domi- Dominguez, Raul Ambrosiano Gimini, Jimenez Jr. Larry Valdez, Juan Carlos Marizgal, Omar Cruz. All white white males. right? We got a couple of uh, more here. Alanis, uh, Freddy Alanis, Israel Aguirre. Uh, I'm surprised that uh, Rodney DeWayne Win wasn't uh, Listed as a white male, either. Fascinating how that works. Uh Esubio de Leon, right? White female, even Elise Ilana Rodriguez is listed as a as a white female. Now let me go back to the first post of this here. Uh this is kind of funny, right? Here <laughs> someone link this up. Uh, as they're looking for one of the suspects here. Dark white skin. See how see how see what can happen? Like even with these kinds of things there's still an incredible skew with the racial crime statistics right but how much of this is actually going on to drive up that the the, the white you know bracket on the on the racial st- statistics right quite a few that's what like well non well you, there non hispanic whites and uh, hispanic whites right that's that's what it is now here we go another uh, white uh, person here uh, rodriguez manuel joaquin right so so the, see how they See how this works? How how all of a sudden they've shifted the goalposts. Going back to this story again, right? They can openly hate white people. They can even want to go after white people, but it's still white supremacy. Isn't that fascinating how that works? (laughs) Holy shit. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, uh, incredible stuff. Western collapse report to so on Odyssey C. Uh, that's retarded about Fort Hood. General John Bell Hood was a great man. Uh, he lost a leg and an arm and kept fighting during the war between the states. Well, there you go. But uh, the more honorable they were, the the better they fought, and uh, so forth. The the uh, the harder they have to replace them, essentially, right? Uh, this is uh, that's, we're going through. The same as China went through in the the so-called the Great Leap Forward. Here, here they call it the Great Reset, right? But it's a, it's the same thing, and it's not maybe not as fast, and maybe not as blatantly like just like hauling people off and killing them. Be patient though, because maybe they'll get there at some point. But I'm just saying, it's uh, it's a little bit more sly, but it's it's gaslighting, uh, it's propaganda, it's lies, it's obfuscation, uh, it's uh, conspiracy by omission. It's even the historical lies uh, that we'll talk about in a moment here too, when it comes to uh, King Leopold in Belgium, because these are, you know, to to to, to lay the foundation of like the anti anti-European, anti-Western, anti-colonialist narrative. Uh, you you get a guilt us as Europeans, even if you're living in America as a European American or in Australia, New Zealand, into thinking that you're 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 more evil than others, and it's through the the guilt guilting you into it. That you will go along with these kinds of things that are being done to, to us right now. Now the tide is beginning to turn on that it, it's it's less and less effective. Uh, so that's when you can expect the next stage of this to happen, which will be actual physical violence. That's why the DHS is now basically just saying uh, these are these are terrorists, no, normal regular uh, soccer moms uh, who believe that there is pedophiles in in high places are now the 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 threat, right? So they remove our statues, or they take away our heritage, they destroy our culture, they eradicate it from the history books, and once everything is digital, you can, boom, va- make things vanish in an instant. That's why it's so dangerous in terms of where we're going. Uh, so, of course, so, so despite the uh, so-called Mexican white supremacist here being uh, obviously uh, not a fan of white people, big surprise, um, the... The adjacent narrative beyond the let's shit on white people and if white people say anything about open borders, migration, diversity, blah, 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 they're with this guy and they're dangerous, so they had to be controlled, uh, is, of course, the gun control narrative. So in Texas, uh, in a surprise move, CBS News says here, uh, lawmakers in Texas advance a gun control bill to raise age to buy assault-style weapons. So again, here's this, you give them an inch and they will take your arm. Eventually, it'll be... The next thing, and then the next thing, and then the next thing, right? The, uh, the Second Amendment says shall not be infringed, which basically means you should technically be have access what to to any type of of uh, weaponry, right? Um, but anyway, that's what they're doing. So they're inching their way, they're grabbing the guns, they're demonizing the white people, they're taking away white people's ability in the U.S. Uh, to basically defend themselves, and that's what they want you. They want you defenseless uh, and a victim to everything that they the, that they want to transpire here next. Uh, we're not going to let them know. And, and uh and we're exposing them day by day not only us there's so many good people doing this uh and the more it's exposed uh the more they're trying to control the narrative and the information around it the more desperate they they become the more obvious be- it becomes that they hate us and ironically the faster they press on that gas pedal the more and more people wake up like hey wh- you are going to drive us into the wall and thank you i'm I, I don't want that please can you can you drop it uh so yeah anyway from 18 to 20, uh, that's what they're doing. So that means, despite what you can do, uh, gender reassignment surgery, of course, no problem. You can legally sterilize yourself at this age. Uh, you cannot uh, defend yourself. Great uh, great news out of Texas. <clears throat> All right. Switch over to this one here. This is a, it's an incredible story out of France. I'm not sure if you saw this. We put this on our Telegram. Uh, I reposted it on my Twitter as well from Klaus Arminius. Um, Far-left French President Emmanuel Macron have now gone, come out to attack uh, a hero who decided to deface the disgusting, ugly pedophile art uh, by a woman called uh, what was her name again? Uh, Miriam Khan. Yes, early life check. Uh, and Macron said after this after this vandalizing this beautiful painting of. A man, uh, forcibly it looks like, uh, you know, force forcefully giving a child on its knees a blowjob. Macron comes out to attack an artwork is to attack our values. That's what he said in a tweet here, just uh just today, I think it was actually. So let's let's look at this uh, so called artist a little bit closer, right? Uh, and some incredible things that they're doing. And, and, and as Klaus said here, since, since what I'm glad they do, more, more of this needs to be done. And imagine when the masses find, find out what kind of books uh, the Nazis, so of course, is the uh, antagonist here in our current story of the decline of the West, right? Uh, they're the ones who has to be uh, destroyed. You always have to use them as the example for why everything that's happening now must continue to happen, because otherwise we're like the Nazis, right? That's always the car they whip whip out, right? But imagine when the normies find out what kind of what kind of books, right? What, what is it like? The Nazis burned books, and it's like, huh, really? What kind of books? Because. <laughs> They're trying to pretend that for no reason whatsoever this just happened, right? But anyway, so, so good for this person. Uh, this is art that's disgusting. Uh, it should be vandalized. It should be uh, removed. If this woman wants to paint this and and have it in her house, uh, okay, we can't you know legally stop her from doing that right now. Uh, but this does not belong in the public. But of course, what they've done instead is of course lift this, and this is now at the forefront of of public art, right? This is in uh, so-called modern art is in all public spaces now. Essentially, Macron said here on this May eighth, as we celebrate the victor victory of freedom. So here we go. This is a framing of the Nazi thing. We defeated the. We're the good guys. Just look at the art we can do now. Little kids blowing off adult males. I condemn the act of vandalism committed yesterday at the Palais of Tokyo to attack an artwork is to attack our values. TM. In France, art is always free and cultural creation is always respected and guaranteed. Well, this is not art. This is degenerate filth that doesn't belong in the public, right? It doesn't belong anywhere for that matter, But you know whatever macron condemns vandalism of explicit painting at paris museum times of israel reporting that vandals spray painted the work of jewish artist miriam khan that is supposed to send messages against rape <laughs> but has been accused of depicting pedophilia yes this if you look at her other her other art there's no question with all these so-called modern artists right the uh the uh, cultural marxists let's just call it what it is it's it's ugly. It's degenerate. It's just it, it Why why de- this is a glorification of it, right? That's what that's what it is. And if it's like just one, I still wouldn't be okay with it. But it's like every damn picture is like this essentially. It's ugly. It's grotesque. Look at this. So here's the vandalized art. I, ironically, of course, we're in France, right? So we have to have uh, two Africans overseeing uh, this big mess here. Uh, this, these are these are equivalent of, of cartoons right this is paintings but it's still it's still gruesome so, so heads up on the next painting here I'll be showing uh, it's Miriam Khan standing in front of our paintings and it's it's ugly uh and nasty and it looks like it stinks right and of course the woman there has a burqa on as well is this some bra- is some this is some brave take on uh, uh what like suppression of Muslim women or something I, I don't know but but of course this Jewish so-called artists have to show her ugly vagina uh, everywhere. Here's another sample of some of her just wonderful, wonderful artwork. It, it, it looks like demons, right? Some of them uh, weird, genetic deformed uh, creatures. There's rape going on. Uh, as usual, this is not a Greco-Roman celebration of the human body that we've seen in the past where beauty is uplifted and the... Essentially, think of like the maximum that a human body can achieve in terms of its fitness, uh, and therefore, of course, its its beauty, its intended design. This is the opposite way. This is ugly, disgusting, degenerate, absolutely awful. Right? Look at this another demon here holding a child, of course, in its arms. Um, who who'd want to buy this? Look at this shit. Miriam Kahn. Oh, bidding is closed. Oh, who would who wouldn't want to have an ugly hard-on, <clears throat> right? <sighs> oh, no, no, you see I'm I'm uh, I'm warning against uh, rape. See, that's what that's what that's what I'm doing. That makes total sense, Miriam. After President Macron stands up for artists after vandalism of controversial Miriam Kahn painting, French leader says defacing the work which will remain on show at the Palace de Tokyo, is attack on values. (laughs) Holy shit. Here's here's a little more art pieces here, and it's ugly. Here's like someone being punched. Look at this here. Like, is this some kind of birth or something? What is that? What is going on in the middle of that painting there? Um, All right. This is not even working here. Oh, it is. It just of course, of course, it's loading slow. Yeah, look at this. What? What the hell is that out in the corner there? It's just some? Yeah, it's some birth here. And it's, so again, this is what they do, right? Modern artists, leftists, ugly, uh, painful. Is this how is this a is this warning about birth too? If the if the other ones with nudity and rape and fellatio and and blowjobs and stuff, if that's a warning against rape, like your argument is. This is, on the same level, equally ugly and disturbing. Is as a warning about childbirth, I-, I would assume. Oh, my God. Holy shit. Ugly, disgusting, weird, demonic, monstrous. It I just, you know, look, let's keep the descriptions flowing here of this. Ugly, look at pig, pig people and burkas and rape. Anyway. All right. Here's a wonderful... Uh, uh, a <clears throat> little piece here, Miriam Khan. Anger is a very good motor for art uh, from Art Basel. Meet the artist. Look at what, well, look at what a beau- what beautiful art celebration of the human form.
4: I live now here in Stampa itself about 10, 12 years. It's a, it's, it's a valley in the alps in the south alps there are not uh, much people it's about the whole valley is about 1500. for me it's all the same to sleep and to work and to eat and to cook (laughs) and all this sort of stuff
1: (laughs) okay
4: it's life (laughs) for every profound I always have the same things from the beginning. It's houses, women and men, people which is not clear what they are. (laughs) My work is my thinking and feeling together. And it's not uh, having an idea. Can you imagine that internal? uh, Can you imagine
1: that inner environment? (laughs) What What a hellscape. Art and things like this. It's, it's exercising. So it's exercise. So what they do, of course, they take their inner world Uh, And they smear it across as many places as possible. This is what they love doing because these people get uncomfortable around beauty and order and things that work. And if they have to, this outer environment must reflect the inner or they feel out of place. And the solution, therefore, is not for them to step up to the expectations that at least used to exist within traditional society, but it's to degrade those. Right. That's the cultural Marxist, the Frankfurt School objective. It's, it is a culture of critique. Everything is under critique. Everything is being uh, continuously uh, examined and uh, you know, gone through with a fine tooth comb to pick holes at it, to destroy it, to disturb it, to uproot it, to, uh, to as we're seeing now, to, to ruin it. it. It's the ruin of civilization, and it comes through art like this. It's not, there's just one little, you know, it's, it's a death by a thousand cuts, and here's just another deranged modern artist pushing their filth onto the rest of the world.
4: Every day exercising like a music instrument where you exercise and uh, that's it. I am angry, yes. I stay angry because everybody is so slow. I am very angry because women still don't have the same rights like men. It's, It's not aggression. Anger is also a very good motor to do art.
1: But you see we can't we can't hate, right? We can't feel uh disgust for these things. I think it was uh, yeah, Second Wanderer says in the Odyssey chat, you know, I really I never really wanted to have any animosity against any group, including Jews. But people like this artist is making it really hard for me not to. Man, please tell me I'm wrong, Mr. Henrik. No, I am again, I think I, I think you uh, I mean again, I, th- I still think it's a fallacy to to think that you know to hate all Jews. I think that's what our oppositions using as soon as we criticize a few people, even like you know the Soros fallacy, right You can bring up things that Soros does, not even mentioning that he's Jewish, the rebuttal or the uh, the dismissive counter arguments is you're anti-semitic, therefore, when you haven't even brought that into it. Uh, but, but yes, there's too many modern artists, many of those who are opening our borders, degrading our societies, are Jewish. It's not only Jews, but many of them are. Not all of them are Jews, but many of those, you know, cultural Marxists, for lack of a better term, keep it simple, uh, are Jews. But not all Jews are. Uh, but so you, then you can't notice a pattern. You can notice it when it's about white males, for example, then you can attack an entire group. You can say that it's white people's fault, all this stuff, right? But we can't generalize. They, 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 they cannot accept that you have this like an abstract idea of like, well, these are trends within this particular group. And, and they, and they want to outlaw it for us to be able to not only critique them, but yes, to, to feel that this is disgusting and that we want, we, we want to just stop this and do something about it. Right. They want to stop us from having human emotions, including hatred, uh, essentially, uh, this is bad. We don't want this. What, what are you going to do about it now? You're going to outlaw a human emotion. Right. Um, it's normal to feel these ways in order to try to mobilize to 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 stop it i think this is is horrifically disgusting uh and if these people as i said want to go and do this on their own time you, you, go ahead but but why is it that these are the artists that are being commissioned right these are the ones are these are the artworks that are hanging now in our museums and all that stuff that's what you have to uh, question and and there's an endless supply on this kind of filth i'm not sure i have time to watch the rest here but yeah Highly disturbing, uh, ugly. Uh, it shouldn't even be called art, you know, <sighs> my God. <sighs> Remember this, there's other stuff out of France right here, but, th- but this is okay. You see, this was, this is, I'm not sure if it's there right now. I think it was an installation for a little bit. Uh, it was at the base of the Eiffel tower. Uh and was given a cute racial harmony art piece by Cleon Peterson. Did I have that? Let me see. If, maybe that's if it's not too long. We could play that. Cleon, let me see if I can find that. There was a video we had. Um maybe French? French artist, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. Let's see if we can find it. Um anyway, I played it in the past, so you guys might remember, but uh, it's a man who primarily illustrates black figures murdering and raping a white figure. Remember this? You can't even say anything about this, much less if you would paint something that uh, then goes against them. Uh, I don't think us. I don't think it's necessary. I don't think our side needs to. Uh, to be honest, I think all we have to do is expose them and let them prove to be the murderous, hateful, genocidal maniacs. We don't always have to show everything like they do. Of of you know of what one might feel or whatever, you know, what I mean. Uh, but yeah, no, this is the, the disgusting, obviously racial tones, right? Art so-called artwork here as well. Um, here's an actual, uh, this is an actual piece done that went onto the grounds under the uh, Eiffel Tower, I believe. But yeah, there was a video about that. I can't find it right now, but uh, yeah, horrific stuff. <clears throat> Wasn't one, was it one of the Rothschilds or something that was uh that, commissioned that art? I, I I just, I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember. Um, maybe next time, Says uh, says qui, k- uh, or key, is it, right? Remember? <laughs> <laughs> qui? Qui? <laughs> qui? The gray
3: one. importante. On la
1: la <laughs> that was a great meme. I like that. Qui? <laughs> qui? <laughs> All right. Uh, back on business here. Uh, thank you, maybe, maybe next time. <clears throat> so, now let's let's talk about this here a little bit too. Um, this is an important topic, and it's about the issue of history, right? Of of well, how did we? I think that, I think these kinds of things lies at the foundation of how we got here. Uh, they have turned our history against us. They've lied about it. They've obfuscated as I said before, uh, exaggerated, propagandized us into thinking that uh, we somehow, or even if we directly haven't done it, this was like allowed within European civilization, and therefore we owe all these other people. Something we must uh, repay or, or think like this. When, when, of course, historically, we know uh, that what we did uh, is not worse than any other group did. And all of them did it, too, in fact. And some things we were better at and some things we were worse at. Uh, again, just like any other group, right? So I want to talk about the Congo, King Leopold, because it was a great piece in the, uh, the American Conservative uh, about uh, a, a new book coming out, called King Hochschild's Hoax, which is written about King Leopold's ghost, is the, the title by by this so-called uh, scholar and historian, Adam Hochschild. Hoch, Hochschild? Uh, but first, I want to preface it by playing this trailer, because I remember this from years and years ago when, you know, we weren't covering these types of topics on Red Eyes. we do, were doing some other things, but we came across this uh, documentary, right? Uh, White King, Red Rubber, Black Death. And this is a, a piece that was going to run on Belgian television at the time. This is like, I forget when, this is 2006, six, seven, maybe, something like that. It. it could have been earlier, maybe it was from 2003, but I came across it at that point oh, look at what they're trying to you know, cover, they didn't show it in Belgium, and oh, they're trying to cover this up and stuff, but of course in hindsight we realize one of the reasons is because it's shoddy academic work and it's a bunch of uh, communist anti-white gobbledygook. And I'm not a you know, huge fan always of, of uh, uh, nobility, royalty, especially these days. Back then I think they were far more uh, honest and concerned with the subjects that they were supposed to represent. Uh, King Leopold I think is a cousin to Queen Victoria, if I remember that cor- correctly. Uh, but let's check out this trailer here to, to see the framing, what, what the accusations are, like how Belgium bad, EU bad, Europeans bad, white uh, people bad, royalty bad, right? That's the whole framing of this. Uh, so this is from that documentary. And then we'll look at the piece uh, that American Conservative wrote to, de- to debunk some of these claims. Here we go. <laughs>
3: When a series of missionary photographs arrived in England in the late 19th century, they caused outrage. The mutilations had been strategically photographed against white for maximum impact. The children came from the Congo, but the man accused of their suffering was white, European and royal.
1: White? European?
3: For almost a hundred years, evidence has lain dormant of one of the greatest mass murders. Millions of Africans died in one man's quest for wealth and glory. Bullshit. Until Adolf Hitler
1: arrived on the scene,
3: uh, the European yes. standard for cruelty. Of course. So here's correlation. Cor- Let me
1: pause here. <clears throat> correlation made right. It's, it's. Oh my God! It's the worst. Uh, until Hitler, but then we can fall back on this again, right? Every single time, this is the framing.
3: Leopold II, King of the Belgians, was the personal owner of 1 million square miles of Central Africa and king-sovereign of 20 million Africans. In the 1880s and 90s, the world outside Africa wanted rubber for its new bicycle and car industries and Leopold's Congo Free State had the world's largest supply of wild rubber. The king had struck gold, black gold. He was determined to get as much rubber to Europe as he could and as fast as he could.
1: The rubber in this district has cost hundreds of lives. And the scenes I have witnessed, while unable to help the oppressed, have been almost enough to make me wish that I were dead. Over
3: a period of 20 years, Leopold turned the Congo into a vast labor camp, 80 times the size of Belgium. In the process, making himself into one of the richest men in the world. As the number of deaths grew, so did his profits.
1: This rubber traffic is steeped in blood. And were the natives to rise and sweep every white person on the upper Congo into eternity, there would still be left a fearful balance to their credit.
3: But the longer the king stayed in the Congo, the greater the evidence against him. Missionaries, travelers, and the victims all added to the clamor for the king to be stopped.
2: Tozongi na mboka. Tomoni bibembe. Libanda ya lopango, ezinga ko ya mkumu. Tomoni na singamoko, moko, bakangi, nakatikati ya zete mibale, makata samboi ya epa ya mbali.
3: Liar! Astonishingly, for the time, there were calls for Leopold to be hanged at the new International Court of Justice
1: in The Hague. If there were such thing as criminal prosecutions in international affairs, then assuredly a true bill would be found against the sovereign who obtained not a paltry sum of money but a whole empire by false pretenses.
3: Instead of being hanged, Leopold was reinvented as a great humanitarian king, a great civilizer.
1: He was reinvented, yeah, so that's the lie, right? Not, not that they lied and intentionally exaggerated this, right? As we'll, as we'll get into uh, now here. But anyways, this is the framing. And <clears throat> look, maybe this documentary doesn't only use Adam Hochschild's uh, r- research, right? There's probably others out there. Uh, but this is, of course, common uh, with anti-whites, culture Marxists, anti-Westerners, and these kinds of things. They always have to deconstruct and say, this is somehow uniquely evil, what they did. They leave out things, they cut things out, as we'll see, and they basically just lie. Uh, but but hang on to your pantaloons, <clears throat> ladies, because now we're going to get the film version soon. And uh, as the article talks about here in a little bit, uh, once that happens, all chances are out the window to try to restore, uh, you know, the, the the or set the record straight about these kinds of things. Right, <clears throat> Ben Affleck to direct King Leopold's ghost about unlikely trio who who exposed atrocities in plunder of the Congo. Now, this has uh, been worked on for a few years. There's some like straining, uh, the strained relationship with the production stuff like that. Uh, hopefully it never comes out. But just be aware of this, that that like that, that's where this is going. That's why this is also a very important um, discussion to have to kind of get ahead of the curve and get ahead of get get the arguments straightened out now. So when shit's released, you know, and it, it, look, this is, it's not that this is a unique thing with King, Le- King Leopold that I, that I uniquely feel I have to defend him or whatever, uh, whether there's some bad things, sure, I, of course, like there, there's always that. But this, this absurd cartoonish version that we get through history that is like, well, because he was a white European colon- colonialist, you see, he intentionally had to chop off the hands and feet of as many Africans as possible. Oh, Yeah. Is that really what happened? Let, let's let's take a look at uh, the breakdown of this here. So here it is, King Hoke Child's hoax, uh, and of course, just a, a little caveat uh, ahead of time here. Here's uh, Adam Hoke uh, Hoke ho- child, Maybe that's a better term. Uh, there's a fascinating uh, portion here on uh, Wikipedia uh, called the early life uh, section, uh, where you can find out a number of things uh, about. And uh, imagine uh, my shock when we look at Adam Hochschild, uh, that the very same uh, kind of same consistency here seems to be uh, running through uh, yet another one of these uh, uh, critics and academics and historians. So anyway, uh, an absurdly depicted book on Congolese rubber production is better described as historical fiction. All right, so it's a little longer piece here, but, but I think it's worth it. For the past 25 years, the idea of the Congo has been closely linked in the Western imagination to the 1998 book King Leopold's Ghost by the American Jewish journalist Adam Hochschild. The book is widely assigned in high schools and colleges, and it regularly tops bestseller lists in colonial, African and Western history. Hochschild has become a sort of king of the Congo, or at least of its history. The book is reflectively cited by reputable scholars in their footnotes any time they wish to assert that it's well known and beyond a shadow of a doubt that sinister men in Europe wrought havoc in Africa over a century ago. Any discussion of the Congo or of European colonialism more generally invariably begins with the question, have you read King Leopold's Ghosts? I have read it, and I can declare that it is a vast hoax, full of distortions and errors, both numerous and grave, a few of which I will detail in this short essay. Some people might view King Hochschild's hoax, as we might call it, as an empowering fable for modern Africans at the expense of the white man. I, I don't think we have to he, he does this that's it's the easy way out the real victims here are of course white Europeans because we're the ones who are being told we we bad right we come from this the only reason your country is successful is the riches are the backs of slaves in africa they took everything you know that kind of shit right we're we are the intended uh target for this for these lies and this propaganda okay so you don't have to do this are there negative consequences for black African Congolese people too? Sure, okay, M- feel free to mention them, but don't try to delude yourself by thinking that it's anything else but an attack uh, on white people, white civilization, etc. You get the point, right? Anyway, that's, that's where this author is going, so be it. Uh, but its debilitating effects on Africa, and on the Congo in particular, make the opposite more nearly the case. It is a callous and negligent chito Ch- uh, Chiotti or whatever that's called a hippo whip lash on the backs of all black Africans, narcissistically guilt porn for white liberals at the expense of the at the expense of the African. Again, I disagree a little bit. Is there is there a self uh, what's the term flagellation or what is the term uh, by white liberals about this? Of course, yes. Uh, I'm not denying that. Uh, but uh, we know why this we know why this is being spun in this way, right? The Congolese lawyer Marcel Yabili calls it the greatest fact uh, falsification in modern history, a compliment of sorts, I suppose. Hochschild's book is a history of the private domain of the Belgian King Leopold II and the Congo River Basin that was founded in 1885 and then handed over to the Belgian government in 1980, uh, 1908. Rather, the book alternates between Di- uh, diabolical accounts of Leopold and hagiographic accounts. I think that's from like from their perspective or something, right? Hagiographic uh, hege- accounts of three of his critics. One being the British campaigner E.D. Morrell, the British diplomat Roger Casiment, and the black American missionary William Henry Shepard. Now, of course, it was also a, as it was Um, competition over who gets to set up what colony, they were infighting. Of course, one side in Europe would want to demonize the other side and make them look bad, so they will be the, uh, you know, uh, we'll take it, we'll we'll run run it right, you know, kind of like China is doing now in, in Africa, right? The narrative style is dark and conspiratorial. From the initial plans for the uh, domain to its final dissolution. All along Hochschild's aim is to elevate the story into one of the greatest evils ever perpetrated by the west upon the rest. There have been two documentary films about Hochschild's fable, both travesties of art as well as fact, but the worst is yet to come. A dramatized Hollywood version by the American director Ben Affleck and Martin Scorsese co-produced with the singer and activist Harry Belafonte is he didn't he didn't he diaries I saw something about his oh he's his, uh, his uh, tireless civil rights work I saw some headline about this guy before so b- big surprise of course he's gonna write and be part of some anti-white shit movie uh, but anyway that movie has been in development since 2019 the history of the Congo might have survived one gut punch from California. Hochschild did his research entirely at libraries in the state uh, and teaches at Berkeley. Of course he does. But once Hollywood weighs in on the matter, history as such will be impossible. I think he's right about that. But before that happens, let's set the record straight and end this malicious form of imperial plunder. The first and biggest deceit at the heart of King Leopold's ghost is the attempt to equate Leopold's Atetat Independent du de Cong- de Congo, or the EIC for short, and that's long been mistranslated as the Congo Free State, but that's what it's become known as, right? Uh, with Western colonialism. Yet the EIC was a short-term solution to the absence of colonial government in the Congo River Basin. The deal was simple. Leopold was to open the area to trade and eliminate endemic Arabic slave empires and African tribal wars. In return, he hoped to bring glory to the Belgian people for having done what no other European ruler dared. One in three Europeans who traveled to the Congo died, usually of illness. See what white supremacists we were? The EIC had nothing to do with the Belgian government. To the extent that limited abuses and misrule occurred in some parts of his domain, discussed below, this was a direct result of its not being controlled by a European state, and no less than Morel insisted. Not quoted by Hothschild, let us refrain from referring to the Congo as a Belgian colony. Let us avoid writing of Belgian misrule. In a pattern of misrepresentation that it, and, and this is also like the EU is built on the backs of the like it, it there's a reason why it's in Belgium, uh, the 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 seat of, of the European, you know, parliament. Yes, they have some in Strasbourg as well, things like this, but like the, it's 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 Belgium that's hosting essentially the EU, right? Uh it's a very d- divided nation between the Flemish North and, and, and the rest. Uh, there's different languages spoken in the country. Uh, it, it's, it's already perfectly divided, in a sense, to use it. And the EU does things and takes stances that it does because of, of, of the false histories like this. And that's why it's important. In a pattern of misrepresentation that is repeated on other issues, Hoke Charles as first mentions uh, this inconvenient fact and then proceeds by saying the opposite for the entirety of the book. The fiefdom was shared in no way with the Belgian government, so he declares that first, which had no legal authority over Leopold as a ruler of the Congo. He alerts readers, yet not, yet not only the subtle uh, the subtitle, sorry, the subtitle of the book, but laced throughout are constant smears against European colonialism. Imagine my shock, folks! The book shows colonial brutality and the wrongs of colonial rule. Okay, well now, do Israel ho- hoax, hoax, uh, hoax child, resulting from the logical consequences of the very idea of colonialism. This distortion is not mere technicality. Rather, it is the central lie of King Leopold's Ghost. The Freelance EIC had at its peak just 1,500 administrative officers and about 19,000 police and soldiers for an area one-third of the size of of the continental United States. As such, it exerted virtually no control over most areas, which were in the hands either of arab slave traders thank you and african warlords or of native soldiers nominally in the employ of belgian uh, concession companies without a white man for a hundred miles so here we go again shit that arabs do uh, african warlords slave traders blah 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 gets blamed on white people of course we gotta take in uh, the jews role in the african slave trade these kinds of things right hochschild's depiction of the EIC as totalitarian is bizarre, as it uh, as is his claim that Leopold exerted a quote framework of control across his enormous realm. If only that were true. That is why Congo reformers like Morel, much to the annoyance of Hochschild, advocated either German or British colonialization of the area. But you're not doing it right, guys. <laughs> okay, um, and, and it's a classic example of like, you know. What what is what's the saying? Um, no good deed goes unpunished. That's that's this right? Oh, we'll bring civilization to this, but we'll teach them all the wonderful things you know we have done, and let's uh, build this uh, government and governmental buildings and stuff. I mean, even in the, the the Congo, there's like some incredible buildings still to this day standing, uh, although dilapidated. There there is. Um, An an echo of a glorious past there of of European activity, but that's that's long gone. Um, Morel's view, according to Hochschild, speaking ex cathedra, which is from authority essentially, uh, from the hallowed seat of modern California, seems unsurprising to us today and was among his faults and political limitations quite the opposite. The moment the Belgians colonized the Congo in 1908, a miraculous improvement was noted on all fronts. Seeking to debunk colonialism, Hochschild's book demonstrates the opposite. This is the first and biggest lie at the heart of King Leopold's ghost. The second, more visibly, untruth is the claim that for 23 years, the EIC officially throughout the territory sponsored violent actions such as chopping off hands in forces uh, to force natives to collect rubber, leaving millions dead in a horror that should be directed, directly compared to the Holocaust. There are about a dozen little cheats here, one embedded in others like Rus- Russian nesting dolls. So here's the facts. By 1891, Six years into the attempt to build the EIC, the whole project was on the verge of bankruptcy. It would have been easy for Leopold to raise revenues by sanctioning imports of liquor that could be taxed or by levying fees on the number of huts in each village, both of which would have caused harm to the native population. A truly greedy king, as Hochschild repeatedly calls him, had many fiscal options that Leopold did not exercise. Instead, He did what most other colonial governments and many post-colonial ones in Africa did. He imposed a labor requirement in lieu of taxes. In a small part of the Upper Congo River area, he declared an EIC monopoly over natural resource products including rubber and ivory, that could be harvested as part of the labor requirements to pay for the territory's government. From 1896 to 1904, the EIC company and two private companies operated in this area, which covered about 15% of the territory and held about uh, a fifth of the population. The resulting rubber remedies temporarily saved the EIC, but only until rubber prices collapsed. Still, the preservation of the EIC meant the preservation of its life-saving interventions against disease, tribal war, slavery, and grinding poverty that had bewildered had the region since recorded time. So again, here we are trying to, or they are trying to, trying to help, trying to fix this. No, just, don't, just don't even bother. You know what I mean? Why the rubber quotas imposed on natives in this 15% of the territory? were enforced by native soldiers working for the companies or for the EIC itself. In many areas, the rubber came with ease and the natives prospered. The rubber stationed at irengi for example, was known for its bulging stores and hospital locals, whose women spent a lot of time making bracelets and were, quote, no one uh, where no one ever misses a meal. Unquote, noted the I.C. soldier George uh, Brecuse in his memoirs. Elsewhere, however, absent direct supervision and with the difficulties of meeting quotas greater, some native soldiers engaged in abusive behavior to force the collection. Brecuse noted that these areas as well, um, as well, especially where locals had sabotaged rubber stations and then fled to the French Congo to the north, in rare cases, native soldiers did kidnap women or killed men to the ex- to extent revenge. When they fell into skirmishes, they sometimes followed long-standing Arab and African traditions by cutting off the hands or feet of the fallen as trophies, or to show that they had bullets they had fired uh, that had been used in battle. Many locals died in these frays. Um, how many? Sorry, I'm... Butchering this here, how many locals died in these phrases unclear, but the confirmed cases might put the figure at about ten thousand. A terrible number. The abuses were first reported by an American missionary in the Times of London in 1895, and quickly brought Leopold's censure. Quote, if there if there are these abuses in the Congo, we must stop them. He warned the EIC officials in 1896. If they continued, it will be the end of the state. For the next 10 years, reforming the Congo's rubber industry absorbed an inordinate amount of attention in the British and American press and legislators, not to mention within Belgium and the EIC itself, leading to a formal Belgian colonization in 1908. Hochschild thus takes a very limited, unintentionally unforeseen and perhaps unavoidable problem of native-on-native conflict over rubber harvesting and blows it up into a quote, forgotten Holocaust to quote the subtitle given to the French edition of this book. Inside this great in, inter, uh, invention, are many more perfidious Russian dolls. First, in what might charitably be seen or described as a puzzling instance of creative editing, Hochschilds takes the testimony of an EIC officer against rubber harvesting and turns it into a call for rubber atrocities this little dodge forms a cornerstone of his argument that chopped hands for rubber was a deliberate policy and officially sanctioned when speaker uh, the speaker is charles L- lamier who was first commissioned of the e- eic uh, or is this a different one yeah the, the ecuador district Equ- ecuador district that's not the ic then commission of the e- uh, ecuador district and whose memoirs are held at the university of ghent now the original quotation reads, he reads it in French here, uh, is as follows, this is his translation, as soon as the rubber question was raised, I stood firmly in opposition and wrote to the government, we will have, uh, we will have to be cutting off hands and noses and ears if we intend to collect rubber in the uh, Equator district where no preparations had been made, and I don't think we drove away the Arab bandits in order to take their place, unquote. Even as the anti-Leopold historian Daniel Van, Van- noted, Lemar or Lemierre, maybe this, uh, like most EIC officials, was unwilling and unable to pursue a systemic rubber harvest. "Quote: He did not have the time, and he understood that he would not work without the use of force." Hochschild, however, creatively edits the quotation to say the opposite. Imagine my shock! This is what Hochschild says about this. There. As soon as, uh, as soon as it was a question of rubber, I wrote to the government to gather rubber in the district. Edit, edit, edit. Dot, dot, dot. One must cut off hands, noses, and ears. Why did they always do this? Scum! Liar! This is such a reckless act of dishonesty that one can only marvel. Let's proceed to the next cheat. Most memorably for readers, Hochschild's reprints staged uh, photographs taken by English missionary Alice Seeley Harris and supplied to the anti-Leopold campaign through the English missionary John Weeks. The missionaries knew that showing these fake photos at lantern shows in community halls in Britain won more attention and donations than their detailed accounts of cannibalism and sleeping sickness ravaging their areas. Sleeping sickness. I don't even know what that is. Some African thing. Hochschild does not tell the reader that the photographs are staged. Nor does he. This sounds awfully familiar, folks. Nor does he explain that the photographs of people with severed hands were victims of uh, gangrene, tribal vendettas, or cannibalism, having nothing to do with rubber. In the most famous photo of them all, a man whom Seeley got to sit on the veranda of her mission station with a sever hand and foot before him. The original caption given by Morrell reads, Sala of Walla and remains uh, remains of his five-year-old daughter, both wife and child, were eaten by King's soldiers at a cannibal feast. Huh? Until Hochschild, no one had suggested that the girl or her mother were killed for rubber only that the EIC had failed to control the eating habits of its citizens. Hochschild, however, captions the photo thus. Nasala of the district of Walla, looking at the severed hand and foot of his five-year-old daughter Boalia, a victim of the Anglo-Belgian Indian Rubber Company Militia, the A-B-I-R. This is like saying someone killed by a person who works for Boeing is a victim of the Boeing labor union. It is chicanery. Plain and simple. Third, as a self-proclaimed human rights activist, of course, Hoekshel can be forgiven for his economic illiteracy. But but since it's the keystone uh, that begins, since it's the keystone that begins his tale, it is another fib worthy of correcting. The EIC's large trade surplus, more physical goods going out than coming in, was because virtually none of the revenue from the goods sold in Europe was sent back to pay for labour, which was paid for as a fulfilment of the EIC labour obligations. Instead, the revenue paid for European administration, infrastructure and trade services in the Congo, as well as profits that were parked in Belgium, an overall payment deficit. For Hochschild to claim that Africans were getting a little to nothing for the goods they produced because fewer goods were being sent to Africa displays a stunning economic ignorance. It is like saying that the empty container ships returning to China from today's port of Long Beach show that China's workers are being paid little or nothing. Fascinating. Fourth, the big headline of the book A whopper, really, is Hochschild's claim that the population of the Congo fell by 50% or 10 million on Leopold's watch. The EIC, he claims, caused depopulation and a mass murder of genocidal proportions due to its drive for rubber profits. In fact, the most knowledgeable estimates today suggest that the general population of the Congo rose slightly during the EIC era, and that any deaths attributable to the limited abuses in the rubber areas were far outweighed by the lives saved and created by the EIC's direct interventions in other respects. Even if we can agree that any life lost to senseless violence and negligent governance is always and everywhere deserving of condemnation, Leopold's regime was a monumental achievement in saving and promoting Black lives. Maybe maybe they shouldn't have got involved at all, huh? Oh, Okay. Oh my God, I hate King Leopold now. No, I'm sure. <laughs> but you, it's 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 so like here they are actually like helping and they're saving and they're improving and they're doing all these things. They're bringing in infrastructure. These people are now working and stuff. They're driving uh, Arab slave traders and these brutal old ways that they had, right? They're driving them away, improving things, and historically they're being blamed for making things worse. It's incredible the, the, the lies of these people, the, the, the audacity of these so-called historians to wheel out this garbage and shit and turn it on its head. And again, as, as the author said in the beginning, then that that's just a footnote. Well you see, this is a here here's the reference this is what you get with, with references and well it's highly documented, you see. Just point to the book and that's all you have to do. You know, put it put a put a number after your little source so, yes, source, point to the book as say, well it's been widely, widely documented now. How could Hochschild go so wrong? Yeah, okay, this is t- totally not intentional, right? He's not all, at all motivated. Politically, economically, socially, culturally, ethnically, right? There's there's nothing going on here. He was highly motivated from the start to find a genocide because, as he notes, his project began by reading the American humorist Mark Twain's claim that 8 to 10 million people had died in the EIC. But no scholar has ever made such a charge. His source was a chapter by the Belgian ethnographer John Vansina, Vansina citing his own work on population declines in the entirety of Central Africa throughout the 19th century that included only what became the northern areas of the EIC. In any case, Vassera's own source was a Harvard study of 1928 that quoted a 1919 Belgian claim that in some areas population had fallen by half, but uh, but quoted it in order to assert that it was almost certainly False. The first proper sample-based census was not carried out until 1949, so demographers have not have to reconstruct population totals from micro-level data on food supply, settlement patterns, village counts, birth records and the like. The most sophisticated modeling by French and Belgian demographers variously suggests a population of 8 to 11 million in 1885 and 10 to 12 million by 1908. The Belgian Jean-Paul Sanderson, using a backward-projection method by age cohorts, found a slightly decline from 10.5 million in 1885 to 10 million in 1910. The estimated change in total population governed by changing births and deaths rates over a 25-year period represents a negligible annual net decline in population. Even taking Sanderson's pessimistic estimate as correct, does this mean that Leopold King uh, Leopold's rule killed five hundred thousand people? Well, of course not, because in addition to the misplaced personalization of long-term population changes, the rubber regions, as mentioned, experienced both population increases and decline. Even in uh, even in the latter, such as the rubber production Bolo Bolo area uh, and in the lower reaches of the Congo River, population decline was a result of the brutalities of freelance native chiefs and ended with the arrival of an EIC officer. So they show up, then it ends, and then they take what happened before that as a sign that they're guilty. It's it's incredible. More generally, the stability and enforced peace of the EIC caused birth rates to rise near EIG centers, such as the Catholic mission under EIG protection of uh, Baudonville, today's Kirungu. Well, that's a damn shame. Huh? Uh, population declines were in areas outside of uh, outside of effective EIC control. The modest population gains caused by EIC interventions were overwhelmed by a range of wholly separate factor factors. Well, now well, now you're getting into details and and, rea- and objective reality. I, this is too complicated. Imagine that it wasn't just because evil Europeans showed up and killed everybody and chopped off their hands uh, because they were sadistic and had nothing better to do. It was other factors, which include, or which, in order of importance, were rather the slave trade, sleeping sickness, intertribal warfare, other endemic diseases like small, smallpox, smallpox, bar- barbaria, influenza, yellow fever, pneumonia, dysentery, tuberculosis, typhoid fever, and vulnerable venereal disease, sorry, uh, cannibalism, and human sacrifice. Hochschild, in a sense, knows he will be called out on this and thus rolls out the fudge that, quote, although outright murder was not the major cause of death, unquote, the most important determining factor of demographic trends in the entire territory was the finding and using of labor for rubber and other devious endeavors like building railways. Again, this is simply untenable and has never been advanced by any reputable scholar. In more, or even more, it is an insult to Congolese who fought against native tyrants and slavers alongside the EIC. As the anthropologist Michael Singleton noted, quote, the condition of African populations resulted primarily from the de- demographic strategies of those whose lives were at stake and not from the interventions, well or ill-intentioned, of foreigners. All right. It does go on for a bit. How could Hochschall go so wrong? Let's re- we, we get what's going on here, right? But the, it's fascinating when you get into the weeds of this. Um... Let me read a little bit more here. We'll see if if we've had enough here. (laughs) Why did Hochschild put such stories in plainly erroneous data about a loss of life caused by the EIC? Here we come to the horror at the heart of King Hochschild's hoax, his attempt to equate the EIC to the Nazis and to the sacred memory of the Holocaust. Oh, my God. Oh, just... Oh, my God. Is this a... Well... Europeans right for no reason whatsoever, they just spurge out and they just kill a bunch of people. Holocaustism, although of course there's only one, there can be only one, right? Of course we know that, yes, yes, Hochschild, we know that. But they just did, just all over the place, they just, just went out and holocausted people. Europeans have a disease. We have to kill them, or they will kill us. Throughout the book, there is a nauseating, indeed enraging, use of Holocaust and Auschwitz comparisons. (laughs) In part, these reveal an insecurity about its main thesis, and the knowledge, so one, imagine my shock, one lie based on another lie, on another lie, on another lie, and it just never ends. In part these reveal an insecurity about his main thesis, and the knowledge that one way to silence criticism is to play on the fact that no one wants to be called a Holocaust denier. Well, well, well why is that, American Conservative? Can you please please enlighten me? While we know, quote, how many Jews the Nazis put to death, unquote, how do we? He menaces readers insisting on such precision in the eic is distasteful you have been warned is that an actual t- title like i guess it's the author of this article alluding to that and the strategy works in reviewing leopold ii roi uh, a, a royal genociding a, a, a royal genocider right that that would translate to uh, a 2005 defense of the eic no no okay okay that's a defense of so is he really a genocide? Is it Roy? Is that Royal? I think it is, isn't it? Uh, a Royal gen- Genociding Maniac, right? Uh, so that's a def- Okay, the defense of the EIC by the Belgian historian Michael Dumelion. The emeritus Boston University professor Edward Baustein wrote malevolently Dumelion is waging a futile and somewhat unsavory battle that is bound to ring like revisionist versions of the Holocaust. The further falsehoods and distortions that make up King Charles' hoax all collectively derive from the problems above. Perhaps most remarkably, the book is not really much about the history of the EIC at all. The central activity that justified, motivated, absorbed and in the end defeated the EIC is missing. The battle against the Afro-Arab slave trade. This is akin to writing a history of the 68 years of colonial Kenya that limits itself only to eight years of Mao Mau counter-insurgency campaigns. Again, Hochschilds warily mentions the efforts to end slavery at the outset, but merely in order to sneer at them as dubious. Because of prior European involvement in the slave trade, he mocks the EIC's campaign against the das- dastardly slavers as if they are notable proto-nationalists. And he fawns over the notorious slaver Tippy Tipu Tip as handsome, bearded, strongly-built <laughs> Is he, uh, is he gay? This guy as well as shrewd and resourceful with administrative acumen. Oh, so here we go again. We have the, the noble savage at, at, at every step of the way, Europeans bad, colonial is bad, improving things bad. Uh, and look at this, what, handsome, strongly built, beautiful, incredibly resourceful, noble savage. Belgium had no prior history in the slave trade, nor of African slaves. Leopold could fight against slavery without any hint of hypocrisy, even of the ahistorical type advanced by Hochschild. Uh, And it was slavery, not rubber operations, that contemporary observers viewed as the biggest threat to the people of the Congo. The missionary Fanny Emma Fitzgerald Guinness was allowed to visit one Arab slave fort in 1890. Seeing, quote, rows upon rows of dark nakedness reviled here and there by the white dresses of the captors, in one pen holding uh, in one pen holding 2,300 souls. See it's okay when the Arabs do it. they don't have to. Uh, Muslims are fine, they are beautiful, wonderful allies uh, and, uh, and they'll here to improve our lives, okay? They don't have to uh, pay back anything. Was it that Germany is repaying, um, Kenya? Right? Was it was that what it was? It was some bullshit uh, continue But we have reported on this for years now. They're like, here, here you go, We're just forking out billions and billions of euros now to to uh, to uh, various African nations to pay back. See what I'm saying? White guilt. It's the biggest disease. Just even if we did these things, I don't fucking care. I don't care. I don't give a fucking shit at this point. What's happening to us? now is a crime that's what matters not what happened over 100 years ago <laughs> and then you find out it didn't even happen it's incredible the lies the, the scum the histo- the historians the scum of these academics is is incredible they need to be exposed and tossed out of these universities she estimated that for every one slave eventually sold seven died either in the raids in the camps or while being transported to the Indian Ocean. In 1892, a Belgian trader and his entire caravan of six Europeans and 40 porters were beheaded by a thug controlled by the notorious slaver and warlord Mziri, who asked that their heads be returned to him to decorate his compound. Fine, fine noble savages. The trader had tried to persuade Mziri and other local tyrants to sell their ivory to his company, which could transport uh, it by river, thus obviating, is that really Obviating, I guess avoiding, right, the need for slaves, I guess that's the term, obviating. The black American missionary George Washington Williams, visited in 1890, noted, quote, the most revolting crimes, unquote, committed by the natives, humans, human hands, and feet and limbs, smoked and dried, are offered and exposed for sale in many of the native villages markets, or village markets. From the mouth of the... Lumami River to Stanley Falls, there are thirteen armed Arab camps, and in them I have seen many skulls of murdered slaves, pendants from poles, and uh, yeah, pendant from pools, and over these camps floating their blood-red flag. Oddly, Hochschild quotes Williams' testimony against native practices to criticize the EIC for being insufficiently vigorous in its attempt to govern the territory. Heads I win, tails you lose. As this logic slip implies, a justifiably proportionate response to the scourge of the slave trade required keen efforts by the E.S.E. to recruit and feed soldiers. Clearly, clear villages in areas prone to slave raids, establish military and governance posts, and pursue slave armies to the death. We should just have never gotten involved. I'm utter, utterly convinced of that. Look at the price we have to pay now, right? For this, now we have Haitians coming into the south. Right, Sub-Saharan Africans are pouring into Europe. Accommodating the Arab slave traders would be a crime," wrote the EIC captain, and later World War I hero Jules Jacques Demieux of 1982, or 1892 rather. Tackling his boat back in the direction of the EIC, being too vigorous, Hochschild transposes the EIC efforts against slavery into cruel efforts for rubber. Nice sleight of hand there, buddy. The reader is lured into believing that every conflict he documents is about the drive for rubber, not the drive against slavery or intertribal vendettas. One of many egregious examples we have to suffice. Hochschild describes the EIC officer Leon Fives as a sadist who, quote, terrorized the rubber-rich Ecuador district where he was commissioner. His sources is the uh, is the George Bruquet mentioned above. Uh, Brucke lasted only three years in the Congo before dying of either typhoid or malaria, common, a common occurrence for the E.S.E. where the annual mortality rate for European soldiers was twenty percent. Shit, they would go down and sacrifice our fucking lives to stop something, t- tribal conflicts and slavery and eating hands and whatever fucking crazy shit, and then we get to pay for it. Now we get to pay, right? Oh, evil European colonialism, this is Western, you know, it's just Holocaust after Holocaust with these people. Incredible. And then again, the diseases take, and then they spin it, right? Typhus, like a dysentery, typhoid, malaria, all these diseases pop up, people die, and then they turn that into, well, this was an official just conveyor belt mass murdering campaign. they are what are they they are liar that's right okay in the let me finish this paragraph and then we'll wrap up here in the 1894 incident recalled fives is recounting to bricke his desperate attempts to feed his soldiers while battling slave lords in the area there is no mention of rubber because this particular place had little of it The slaving business, on the other hand, is flourishing, and Bruquet notes its devastation everywhere. Fives had arrived a few days earlier and held paraplay with local chiefs. They had agreed to supply his soldiers with food for payment. They then reneged and fled into the forest. Fives sent his troops in pursuit, and in the ensuing fight, a hundred of the chief's soldiers were killed. After that, the chiefs made good on their promise. All right. Anyway, it goes on for a little bit here. But yeah, bunch of fucking lies. Bruce Gilley. Professor of political science at the Mark O Hatfield School of Government at Portland State. Holy shit. So if this guy's Portland State, I suspect he'd, uh, he'd be fired after this. Imagine my shock, right? Imagine my shock this bunch of lies and just deceit and this is why it's so important to look historically break these things down and I know I know we won't be able to convince everybody right I know I I know that's that won't happen but it's but enough to tell the truth to those who are willing to listen to have them 100% once and for all let go of any and all guilt for being white, for for our forebears, for what our ancestors did, it, all of that stuff just needs to go. It needs to go out the window. We did nothing wrong. Right? That's the mantra. Right? We did nothing wrong. Um, we, don't, we don't have to say, well, we try to improve. We, we can, and, and ironically, you know, that that is that is the truth, right? Uh, in many regards, we, we try to help, but no good deed goes unpunished, and now they're turning it against us. Absolutely incredible. All right. So, we have a couple of more things we can end on here, too. Resin Revolt over on uh, Rumble. Excellent presentation. uh, Thoroughly enthralling, informative, and entertaining. Bravo, bravo. Thank you, Resin Revolt. Very kind of you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for your your, uh, kind and generous super chat, Resin. Always good to see you, sir. Thank you. Let me check if we have any ones I've missed on Odyssey. Uh, The second one, I understand. Sorry for the outburst. It's just this stuff really gets me. Oh, from earlier? No worries. No, that was a great comment, second one. Thank you. Uh, appreciate that um tommy Katz is this narrator sounds pathetic his voice angers me was it uh who's mine or, or someone else's <laughs> well if it's mine i'm sorry <laughs> uh Weston, no we did that one uh and i think we're caught up so that was the kind of the main meat uh of what i wanted to cover today um i might just put you pull that out make it its own segment or something so you can share that if you want to send that particular thing but I, I remember it vividly you know I mean I was like to you know I, I mean I started looking into these things after 2001 um, uh, or nine eleven, the the uh, terrorist attacks yeah. the <laughs> the collapse of the towers <clears throat> and that one other building in uh, September of 2001 that's when I began looking into all kinds of stuff right Get onto this path or trying to find truth and like awaken to all these things right and along the way this, this, yeah, maybe this is like 2003, four or something like that. Maybe late, maybe a little bit later. It's hard to pin down the exact years there, but I came across that documentary that I mentioned to you. Congo white King, red rubber, black death. Oh my God. You know what I mean? And those are the kinds of things that, that kept me, I mean, I wasn't like anti anti white, but it was like this weird kind of like, Oh, look at what the, look at what the, what the, the, the Royals do or, you know, kind of thing, whatever. Uh, and look today they don't deserve that praise they've uh, like clarified in the, in the segment on King Charles you know his world economic Forum super diverse coronation in the latest Western Warrior. check that out by the way if you haven't seen it yet uh went through the the, the, the WF king here being coroni- cor- uh, um, going through his coronation they don't deserve it but these guys back then this is like 18 1800s early 1900s I think there are much better regions than anyone uh, in the few remaining european royal families have today these were probably genuinely good men that try to do good things and they try to improve and they figured you know what i mean like the that came down to africa they saw clearly these people have done nothing with it we'll bring we'll bring them civilization. we'll help them out we'll bring them civilization right maybe we can stop the slave trade it was like this and that you have to understand it's like yes the you know Britain today is accused of like the you know, slave trade and blah blah blah. They were the first to end it, and they went on a ruthless campaign, sacrificing their own lives to end it in other parts of the world. There's still slave trade today in some of these parts, still to this day. It's so ingrained, and it's almost like if you're going to guilt us for just trying to help, we're not. Why should we at this point? I mean, it's like, I, I get that the adventurous spirit they had at that time. They wanted to, like, change stuff. They wanted to, you know, c- colonize. We're not seeing as some, like, rape of the re- This was seen as, like, oh, it's like a, not yet undeveloped, right, raw nature and, and even people to, to form, to, to shape, to help out, to, de- we can teach and build schools and universities and we'll build railroad tracks and we'll bring these buildings to them. You know, we'll bring palladian architecture there and classic, uh, you know, uh, classic buildings from antiquity you know, stuff. I genuinely think it was like based on, on those kinds of aspirations. And then later on, uh, it, it goes, sorry, it doesn't succeed in all areas. And now we have a bunch of activists and anti-whites and Jews and leftists and racially motivated people who hate whites who hate western civilization weaponizing this against us it's 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 a travesty but we just have to we just have to let go of that guilt and we're we're in the situation we are today partially because of those kinds of things and how they've spun uh, that history to be honest so let me let me end with a couple of clips here um and it speaks to the replacement issue here as well right of what's happening in England right now and this particular thing again we have the coronation Welby who of course is I have to show the article again right but he's uh, he claims Jewish heritage partially right there's that uh, piece um, talking to Justin where is it oh yeah here it is uh, so Justin Welby right head of the head of the English uh, Church of England uh Archbishop of Canterbury right Justin Welby the and the secret Jewish conspiracy to take over the Church of England our new Archbishop has an ancestry stocked with Jewish effort and energy writes Howard Jacobson uh, back in two thousand twelve uh, of this current priest but here is of course how he uses uh, Christianity to continue to replace the British people. ...as
3: one might expect from these benches. In the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus calls us to wa- welcome the stranger. That ah. call has been part of the history and culture in this country for centuries and was part of the drive for the Modern Slavery Act. I urge the government to reconsider much of the bill, which fails to live up to our history, our moral responsibility, and our, politically, our political and international interests.
1: Yeah. Our international interests. It is indeed a privilege. is one. <laughs> yep, imagine my shock. Uh, Jesus calls us to welcome the stranger. I urge the government to reconsider much of the illegal migration bill, which fails to live up to our history our moral responsibility and our political and international interests. Here's an outtake from my House of Lords speech today. What a shit. And of course, what happens when they come in? Well, they groom our children. (laughs) And do you think this is the only one? No. If you're newcomer, this has been going on for decades in the UK. It's happening in Sweden. It's happening in the Netherlands. It's happening in the UK everywhere where these people come. Rochdale grooming men filmed unconscious girls sexual assault jury told uh, Rotherham right I mean this is we've covered this for 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 years now of this just continuing right As I said before the priority of these people's Supposed security and safety and comfort and economic opportunity Transcends that of the safety of our own children our own native children These people are traitors, right? And then of course you get uh, the Pope coming up from uh, today Pope calls sex abusers children of God deserving of love uh, I think they should be hanged. How about that? Okay, Pope Francis raised some eyebrows while discussing sex abusers, whom he labeled the children of God who deserves love and pastoral care, as well uh, as well revolting enemies who must be punished. The pontiff made his remarks last month during a private meeting with a group of Jesuit priests in, in Hungary. Oh, this is the one where he... Uh, I showed that in... Is uh, that a Western warrior? Western War, I forget which show it was actually. But yeah, he was coming down on nationalism, um, he, he said, this is dangerous Developing in Europe. Of course, he's in Hungary, right? He's got a shit on Orban and all that kind of stuff. Uh, <laughs> so now he's coming out just like, yes, we should no, Not only we should welcome the stranger, we should let these people in. And if they rape our children, well, we should we should give them love because they're ju- they're just a ch- child of God. Yeah, that's right. That's the religious insanity with these establishment religious figures right now. Total anti-white left-wing garbage. And speaking of England, this is uh, this is sad here, right? Um, Ashley S- uh, Simon says here was the chairman of Britain First. Uh, this video uh, th- was it Britain First that had his retarded tweets just the other day of like vict- on Victory Day, like oh we we won over the over evil and you know blah blah blah. And then people, uh, as always, which I think is a completely logical, rational extension to that discussion. Well, well, look at it now. You know what I mean? Some people said if the English people would have seen how England looked today, they would have joined the Germans. This video is incredibly moving and sad. The Victory Banner says there will always be an England. If there's no English people, there will be no England. Imagine the horror they'd feel seeing England today. Many in this video would have lost husbands, fathers, and friends in a useless, pathetic, brotherly war, which was a disaster to Europe. doesn't say that I'm saying that, but I'm saying a a, a pointless, disgusting war that should never have happened. We should never have fought each other. A complete betrayal, she writes here. May 8th, 1945, England. I'd probably add a, a little better version, even of this, uh, that that saxophone there. But all right, I'll take it. <clears throat> I'll take it. Try to look at the pictures, folks. Wee, wee, that's, <laughs> that's a man. I wanted this to be a, like a little emotional uh, uh, closing here, folks. Anyway, look at these faces, huh? Incredible. There will always be an England. Let's show that again. Where is it? here? There it is. Victory. There will always be an England. Yeah, because Germany, of course, wanted to destroy England, right? Why did he bomb London? Hmm. Yeah, for no reason whatsoever. He totally didn't try to uh, achieve peace with the Anglos. Hitler totally didn't say uh, that we're the same people, we're the same uh, race, (laughs) you know, kind of thing. Which, of course, um, is the sad sad conclusion to this. Um, We defeated the wrong enemy as Patton said. Remember this? Berlin gave me the blues. We have destroyed what could have been a good race and we are about to replace them with Mongolian savages and all Europe will be communist. It's sad that for the first week after they took Berlin, all women who ran were shot and those who did not were raped. I could have taken it instead of the Soviets had I been allowed. Yep, that's the sad truth. And look at Germany today. Mohammed, now the most popular first name for newborns in Berlin. Name source in popularity across the country. Shit. It's sobering. Sobering. Patton was killed, of course, right? A little car accident right there, and then meanwhile, the the supposed free and liberated areas of of Europe today is now turning on its own population. Remember, um, check out the segment. Uh, please sign up if you can. Please support our work. Go get a membership. RedIceMembers.com. If uh, just ten percent of you watching would go and get a, a recurring membership we would be I mean well on the way to have, 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 have several more people right so please support us we want to continue to expand and grow please go over this. only 10 bucks a month you can get a uh, longer subscription as well you can get a, do a one-time payment if you don't want to have it monthly recurring and it's like 40% off it's down to like six bucks forty cents per month if you get a longer two-year one uh, but we have one year nine months whatever you know works for you whatever's convenient It's a little cheaper um, it gets cheaper and cheaper the longer it is, right? But in that in that segment on on what they're doing in Ukraine with BlackRock taking over and all the cringe of Zelensky whipping out, the, ironically, you know the the Nazi card against Russia and stuff like that, he is in the Hague. I'm playing a clip there. He's in the Hague talking about, you know how you know um, we have to uh, we have to arrest Putin, Putin. and uh, <laughs> and then. Uh, you know, he needs to be hanged at the Hague in a court t- 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 trial and stuff like that. And I'm not putting sycophant up, I've explained this many times. People don't seem to understand. Uh, you know, he's not 100%. Uh, he, there's many things they are missing and stuff. I wish they, they, they pointed out stuff, but whatever. You know, it is what it is now. I think an awful conflict shouldn't have happened. But he mentioned, he's in, since he's in, in the Netherlands, right, he mentioned how free they are. How like this is the a source of freedom and like liberation, and uh, you know the Netherlands where the Hague is the International Criminal Court, blah blah blah. The government there is now taking away farmers' rights to farm. They're confiscating three thousand farms in the country. They're doing this with the backing of the EU. This was much of this was, of course, triggered by World Economic Forum uh, lackeys and and, and adjacent uh, uh, people who are in the pocket of, of Schwab and these these people Gates, Bill Gates, driving the the climate change lie that somehow we need to like do less of uh, uh, what is it not nitrate what is it uh, um, ammonia which it was one of the chemicals right that they're using and it, look I'm not a huge fan of like you know some of the chemicals used in farming or whatever but. The Netherlands is is the second largest food producer in the world, after the United States. They produce an awful lot of food there. Now there's confiscating farms on a bullshit lie about climate change. This is how free the Dutch are? That's what Zelensky is whipping out of, like, Oh, I'm here, freedom is uh, uh, great, here in The Hague, you know. Look at this, here's a farmer here. A Dutch farmer who gets emotional over the fact that he's he's about to lose his farm and he won't be able to continue a tradition that he was a, just one small chain of, of being of, of being able to hand down the farm to his children. Look at this.
4: He was passed, he was passed down, down from his parents.
1: parents. I can grow old on this farm and pass it on to my ja, children. Vertrouwen. Do you trust ja. that that will be the case? No. Ja. Shit. Uh, It's hard watching this shit. (sighs) Let me just play this here. (sighs) That's what we have to fight all all this shit. We just have to fucking get together and fight these people and fight these (sighs) anti-whites. Someone made this compilation of uh, the Netherlands here of what's happening here. the expansion, right? The tri-state estate, we've talked about that. But the farmers have begun revolting against us. Together with the rise, divided we fall. And uh, you know, I'm not one of these rose-colored glasses kind of guys that like. When you look at these, most of these protests, sure, there's some maybe a, a face here and there that's like an immigrant or something like that. For the most part, this is this is the Dutch people. This is the uh, you know native people of of the Netherlands, of Holland, of Frisia that that's out there protesting these things for the most part. They brought in immigrants to divide us. They brought them in to drive wedges between us. We have to unite in Europe as Europeans. We have to fight back. We have to push back. We have to prioritize these kinds of things. And at the same time, I do. I, I am still a believer. It's a. I understand the pro, the problem of the strategy of like, the worse it gets, the better it gets. That's not true. But we're losing more and more of our comfort, and ultimately, that's a good thing. Where the, the more and more they do push us to the periphery, um, eventually we'll have nothing left to lose, and that's when we become an interesting race of people. That's when our folk transcends. That's when our, when when urgency. Spurs, you know, and and a necessity spurs our our ingenuity. That's when things are really interesting because what we're doing now is not really living. You know what I mean? This is just a managed decline and and, an intentional undermining of our civilization and our people that we're witnessing. And it's depressing many days. And we have to be aware of how grave the situation is. But at the same time there's always at least for me always a light in the tunnel which is that we're being challenged to finally step out of that comfort zone and finally actually do something about this and it's when we get together and organize and network and build tribes and communities and start taking care of each other again backing each other up having brotherly networks the women have their networks that's when remarkable things happen when are some of our best and brightest and bravest minds Put their effort and energy and time onto the things that matter the most—the survival of us, the security of our folk, of our people, of our children. That's when things get interesting, and I'm kind of looking forward to that. In a way, I'm almost like, let's just rip off that bandage and, and, and see see what happens here. You know what I mean? Because they're going for the—I mean—they're going for the jugular with this insane stuff, right? They're they're, they're shutting down our farms, um, they're they're destroying critical infrastructure, uh, that provides energy to our continent in Europe. Nord stream too. the attack on that, like they're cutting off a number of things here and it's going to be very interesting to see how some of these other groups that have obviously been brought in as a hostile enemy force into our countries to continue to destabilize thing and, and divide us further when potential Tragedy or or catastrophe maybe is a better word when when catastrophe strikes and some of these systems begin to fail because that's where I'm that's That's where I'm seeing this going You know, I mean there might be a there might be a push at some point here of trying to Reassemble the pieces again and like patch together Some kind of functioning society, but but right now they're just driving us straight into the wall they might want to have their robots policing us and their AI doing the jobs, and they might want to, you know, make us permanently enslaved uh, on, on UBI systems and you know these kinds of things. We have to talk more about this t- tomorrow, uh, Flashback Friday. There's a couple of stories we didn't talk about here. But in Canada, they're uh, toying with the idea of a central digital currency, as so many other countries tell. Right? They're building the prison now and the prison bars, and everything is coming in place, which will be our dependency on the system which at that point of course we won't be able to fight back because if they just decide to cut you off, that's it, you're out, right? Total compliance that's what's coming. They'll replace all their jobs. how are you going to feed yourself? Obviously they're going to step in and they're gonna say here, here have some have some UBI. have here here have some have some bugs here live in this pod uh, put on the headset, enjoy. No, it's independence that we need. We need a group folk or racial consciousness, we need to think together, act together, work together, network, form tribes, and become more independent of those systems that are seeking to enslave us. That's the solution. That's the fix. That's where we need to put our energy and our effort right now. We, we, we need to continue to expose how bad it is because that's what's helping partially to awaken many of our people. The majority of them are still asleep. They don't know what's going on. They're deluded. But slowly but surely, you can see the desperation among the elite. You can see their desire to control information, to control the narrative, to criminalize dissent. They're putting the puzzle pieces in place to try to lock this shit in. But I do not think they're going to succeed. All right? All right. Guys, thank you for joining us today. We appreciate you. As I said before, please support us. Check out the latest uh, Western Warrior. Get a membership, redicemembers.com, odyssey.com slash at TV or subscribestar.com slash redice. Wherever you sign up, doesn't matter. Uh, if there is a method that uh, demands us to activate our account on Red- your account on redicemembers.com, just send us an email, redis at uh, Let us know that you signed up. You can send a DM over on subscribestar if you're over there as well. Totally fine. Recently, they had a little bit of a, a pruning, a purging of source. So, so make sure that you didn't lose your subscription against your will. Uh, they've had some technical issues with like uh, they have had active subscriber or list people are actively listed as subscribers they're actually not so maybe they just kind of cleaned out or whatever I'm not sure what happened but uh, uh, if you want to please double check that you're still active over there uh, if you intend to have a subscription through Subscribe Sharp because they had a little bit of a uh, issue or pruning recently uh, but otherwise guys thank you again also want to say thank you to our dear executive producers here today as well. T. Lothrop Stoddard, V. Miller, Resident Revolt, Good Luck like Lap, Jake, Red Pill Red Rundown, Shocky Milk, French 47, Mark Smith, No One Jeebs, President Obunga, Mongoose, William Fox, Angry White Soccer Mom, The Second Wanderer, Operation Werewolf, The Ride Never Ends, Francis Parker Yaki, Jill Bob, Last Place Simp, Joseph Hart, Purple Haze, and JP. Thank you, guys. We appreciate all of you. Also, thank you to Mr. Walker696, Yuan Son, Leroy Demand, Snarkpop, Eyes Open, Mr. Lemry, Yuri Obadiah Hexwell, Single Action Army, and George Porge. Thank you, guys. We appreciate all of you. Uh, if you want to get an executive producer uh, tier or a producer tier, uh, again, you can get them at all the same places as you see right there uh that helps tremendously as well we are uh as i said we had some more clips up yesterday here so we're going to get uh, more regular on that as well uh we have an editor aboard right now as well so you'll see more clips from us so that's good news we can only do that with your help and we'd love to continue uh, to expand so as i said oh, for only 10 percent of you uh, who are watching signed up would have an incredible boost right so act don't wait don't rely on us being here forever without your support we can't do this and we hope that you value uh, you know, what we do here, our contribution, our way to, at the same time, try to keep an eye on what's going, what's going on, uh, keeping up with the latest as well, uh, keep, keeping it relevant and, and, and fresh in a way, uh, but then also always offering those solutions of, of what we do, how we need to get together, what the next steps are and things like that. And we are, we're actually working on some more on that front as well. Uh, we're working on, you um, Actually, having having more of a ability to network in place as well, uh, of of highlighting certain areas at certain times and seeing where you guys are and see if we can connect you with others in your area. So that's something that's coming as well. We're working on that in the background right now. Uh, so that's that's coming. It's time to uh, time to act. Um, all right. Thank you guys. We appreciate that. Tomorrow, we'll be back uh, with uh, Flashback Friday, and uh, we'll have uh, Millennial Woes uh, joining us as well. Uh, two co-hosts. We appreciate uh, him joining us there. Uh, again, as I said, we have some uh, topics we didn't get to today uh, that we'll probably dive into as well. But no, it's been a good show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. It's always uh, great to spend some time with you guys, and it, and it's uh, it's an honor to be able to be here with you guys doing what we do. So thank you so much again for your support and for everything you guys do for us uh, because uh, we can't do it without you guys. All right. Take care, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great rest of your evening or morning, wherever you are, and we'll see you guys soon. Take care.
0: watching, go to redicemembers.com and sign up for our exclusive members content. Don't miss our latest shows,
1: interviews, and other videos only for subscribers. You can also become a member by signing up at subscribestar.com forward slash ice. Get full access and help support our work. See you on the other side.